In this episode, we're following the journey of some first-time buyers who have conquered the mountain. We're going to hear about the lessons they learned, whether their assumptions were right or wrong, the mistakes they made, and those that were avoided, and ultimately how they sealed the deal. Welcome to your first home buyer guide, the podcast for first home buyers who want to get it right. I'm Megan and that was Veronica. We're both buyers agents and probably old enough to be your mums. But that's a good thing because between us, we've got over 40 years experience and we are going to share with you bucket loads of stories about avoidable mistakes. Together, we're going to make sure that you get unbiased and real information that you can rely on so you can get where you want to be without missing a step. Now, we've got loads of great tips for you in this episode. And if you'd like more useful tools, head over to the website, homebuyeracademy.com.au. There you'll find free checklists that you can download, a free mini course on how to price a property and our where to buy workshop for only $39. Priceless stuff, really. Bargain. But before we get into the interesting stuff in this week's episode, here's the boring bit, the disclaimer. You, of course, know that nothing in this podcast is to be taken as personal advice. We always recommend getting the advice of an expert in their field of expertise. Now, we've done our very best to ensure that the content is correct at the time of recording, but things change. So check with the relevant government authority or your advisors to get the most up-to-date information. Mike and Alice are Home Bar Academy graduates from our original beta group, and we're so excited to have you on <laughs> the podcast because they're going to share their story with us, which is a bit of a long one, and it's a bit of a fun one, I think, I'm hoping. Um, but before we get started, because if anyone watches the video, they realise that Megan always has some interesting house that she's sitting in front of or interesting building. This looks more like a... Um, I don't know, that an is. aged care facility? What is it? <laughs> I'm sure the owners wouldn't be that impressed with that suggestion, Veronica. <laughs> so I, I like to look for quirky things, interesting things. This is actually one of the most clicked houses in Australia and it's in Queensland. It's it's uh, 74 Backton Road in Chandler in Queensland and it's on a hectare of land. It includes amongst six bedrooms and multiple bathrooms. also has a 3D golf simulator, which, of course, I would enjoy. Not so much other people, but. I would, and a 35-car garage that's probably worth more than most houses are. Now, it's had over 73,000 clicks, but it hasn't sold. It's been on the market since August 2021. So if you've got uh, a cool, look, I wouldn't even know how to estimate it, maybe eight, ten million. Um, this sure, might yeah. be the end of your stepping stone strategy. <laughs> Where is Chandler? Just out on the outskirts, of, oh, between um, Brisbane and the Bay. Right. But lots of um, acreage out there. Big homes. This is probably one of the biggest. It's so interesting. It's had that many clicks because it's been on the market for longer than most other properties. <laughs> I think it hasn't sold because it looks like a nursing home. <laughs> it's uh, it's certainly aspirational. I mean, some of the things in in this property are really quite amazing, including the cars <laughs> in the garage. Oh, I do well. There you go. So if that is your bent, you want to practice golf and drive lots of different cars. Go on. Chandler has got Go the check out back and right in Chandler. <laughs> now, Mike and Alice, let's start oh. at the very beginning. <laughs> <laughs> so long ago. <laughs> when when did you first decide that you wanted to buy a property? 
2018 was it? Or yeah, it was about four years ago, something like that. It was um, a long journey. Yeah, so it took us a while to save for the deposit. Mm. Um, so we were living in Brunswick in Melbourne. So you're, um, you're Victorian-based? Yes, um, yeah. and we decided we needed to move just to the middle of suburbia so we could save properly. So we did that <laughs> for three years. <laughs> so it was part of your deposit yeah, yeah. gathering yeah. strategy was to... to um, cheaper rent. Uh, yeah, really yeah cheaper rent. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. originally we'd, we'd both kind of decided we were going to rent forever kind of thing and then some point in 2018 when we'd been together for some amount of time, um, <laughs> Alice, Alice was like, we should, we should think about buying a house. And so that's when we just... I think we basically said let's kind of meet back when we've got 50 grand or something um i think that was our that was literally our plan at the time um and that was like yeah that was in 2018 i think all right so so getting more affordable rentals that was one of your strategies because we're really interested in how people and and i know our listeners are very interested in how people different strategies that different people use to to save their deposits so um, more affordable rent was was one of your strategies what were some of the other things that you did to accelerate that process well, for me, and I think Alice as well, like I'd never been very good at saving. And the one thing that we, I mean, starting saving was one thing. Um, mm. It was we, Alice read the Barefoot Investor book, which I'm sure everybody's everybody's heard of. Um, and so we just started dedicating, essentially it was at the time, it was 20%, just that was literally a house deposit. And that was, that was, a, that was one of the main kind of things that they were just putting aside that 20%. That was at first anyway, that was until mm. things got hairy at the end where it was just like, but I think also um, because we moved to a more suburban area where there wasn't as much to do, right. we kind of just live a, a little bit more of a boring life for a few years, just don't go out quite so much. And instead of meeting friends out for dinner, you have them around and cook a, you know, cook a meal or something like that. So it's just little things like that. We're like, I'm not buying a coffee every day and just the little things that are. So there wa- was some real discipline that you put into that. It wasn't just let's put 20% aside. It was actually how do we actually create that 20% by cutting yeah. down on, on our costs. Yeah. Remember that famous um, famous line that Bernard Salt um, said a few years ago, you know, first home buyers might be able to, to save their deposit, I think it was, if they, if they stopped having avocado on toast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And you, you, you that went with that strategy. The <laughs> it's funny because I was going to ask you that, Alice. I was going to say, okay, yeah, sure, fine, you got cheaper rent, but obviously cheaper cost of living because you're not going out so much. Yeah. So that's that. Did you know that before you moved there? Did you know that that would be one of the ways in which you'd save, or did was that just sort of like a bit of a oh right? <laughs> it's not as easy. <laughs> no, you just got nowhere to go. <laughs> no, I think it was kind of the idea. Um, that we would move somewhere where there's less going on. I was mildly surprised that there was so little going on in the suburb. <laughs> 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 it's like if you, if you wanted to get a coffee, you, you couldn't really. We was kind of next to a big uh, shopping centre and stuff, and you could go there for coffee and stuff, but we weren't, we weren't going to do that, so we just didn't end up going out, basically. How did how, you how deal with that? Because yeah. <laughs> yeah, I probably would go a bit stir crazy. Well, it was when we was in... Um, when was it kind of in Brunswick? It was it was a routine because I worked from home pre-COVID, so I, I used to go for a coffee just every morning. It was literally that was my human contact kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and so I kind of removed that, so I gradually just became more of a hermit. But I was... <laughs> <laughs> all for the greater good. Yeah. <laughs> and how long did that whole process take to save you twenty percent? 
I think it was just over three years. Okay. Yeah. Well, the, it kind of towards the end there was, um, yeah, we, we got we got help from help from Alice's uh, one of Alice's parents. Like towards the end, when we we realised we just it, the market was so crazy, and it was just we were starting to we were already going through the process, and and a dad kind of got involved, and he was just like he just gave us a bump to basically get to the twenty percent. So I okay. think if if we'd have just done it on saving alone, I think it'd have taken us another maybe another year or so. Mm. And so as you say, the market was yeah. rising so rapidly. It was, yeah. you know, how can you outsave the rises? Yeah. yeah. We were doing the beta course with you guys and, and we were doing weekly catch-ups. Uh, remember those Saturday afternoons? And yeah. I remember you guys. And we were in lockdown. <laughs> you were in lockdown and, and everyone would say, what did you do on the weekend? And you'd say, we stayed in lockdown. Yeah. <laughs> I think that that's a testimony to your relationship, which is a lovely thing. You're still smiling. That's great. (laughs) (laughs) So when did you start learning about how to buy a property? Was it before you came across us or you had to find us somehow? But, you know, when did you decide you needed to learn the process? I think a friend at work had started listening to The Elephant in the Room and she put me onto that and then I found Home Buyer Academy on Facebook. So it was just uh, I think when we were kind of getting to the point where we knew it was maybe a year or so till we'd be ready to buy, that we thought we'd be ready to buy anyway, um, I don't know, I just I thought it would probably be a really good idea to know what the actual process of buying a house was. <laughs> Just simple things of when do you go to a broker? Like th- these are things you just don't know. Yeah, we knew you do nothing. Research. So, nothing. Um, yeah, so then I started following the Facebook group and then heard about the course. So we were Fabulous. still saving when we did the course. So I know other people in the group were maybe a little bit further along, but it was still so useful. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. It's funny you say We made that. good use of the lockdown time. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's study while we can't go anywhere. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because I've been doing some surveys of um, first-time buyers at the moment. We're doing a whole bunch of new research and it's so interesting the different stages upon which people might do a course. And some, uh, you know, lockdown seemed to have um, caused people to say, okay, I'll do it now even though I'm not quite ready. Mm-hmm. And then when lockdown ended, people were doing it and, and basically doing a two-week two week turnaround and then suddenly buying. And it's like, Actually, that's too short. I think that you do. I think you do need to do it a good year out, so that you get everything in the right order. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that you guys inadvertently, actually, I think did it in the optimum way. We felt so prepared uh, after that, even though we weren't qu- quite ready, and we we did just we re- refreshed a lot of it to what, when it was kind of getting to the pointy end. Once we had our pre-approval, like, we like when let's we was, go back and watch the course. Yeah, when we're getting to the various stages, it was like let's let's just make sure we've not. And there was there was a few. I can't remember anything in particular, but there was definitely in various stages. Like oh, we'd actually forgotten that bit, but yeah. it was, we just felt we just felt so much more prepared once we once we did the stuff for you guys for sure. Yeah, and once we had our pre-approval, we're like right, we're ready to do this. We knew the process, of, the steps of what to do, and we were more confident. I think going to openings um talking to agents and be like these are the questions i need to ask um yeah it just felt a lot smoother than i think it could have and, and tell us about when we, <laughs> we are a bit like <laughs> veronica, veronica mentioned she's been doing some um some research with some first home buyers and there's, there's one that she was telling me about earlier where 
this particular lady was was going through the process of, of purchasing in, in regional Queensland and and she kept saying, now, what would, what would my mums tell me? What would my mums tell me to do in this situation? And she was talking about us. <laughs> I think they have had a few moments of that too, like, no, they wouldn't approve. Yeah. <laughs> this is not an A grade. We can't take <laughs> We should get little little dolls made up, one for each shoulder. So <laughs> we send them out when you sign up for the course. What are you thinking you're doing? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, no, I can we not do bubble heads, Veronica? No, <laughs> little, little ones, just little ones, yeah. So tell us about the search process itself. So when you're sort of out, locked out or unlocked out of your, locked out of your house, allowed out of your house, you Released. have the money, the pre-approval, you knew what to do, you're out looking and it's a rising market. So you had sort of this lovely situation where you're already all right, but the market was sort of romping ahead. It was chaotic. Tell us about that. How, how was that? Well, because we were originally looking in a different area that we ended up buying in, so we wanted to be in the Dandenongs, um, and we had for quite a long time, um, but it, the the rate of growth out there and being completely overwhelmed by what places were actually going for compared to what they were listed at, mm. we decided after a couple of fails to kind of change change tack and go in a slightly different area. Yeah, there was one, one of the, I think it was the first house we put an offer on. Um, we decided to, it was on the market for a, a, the, the top end was a certain amount and we decided um, it was the first one and we just at the bump of money and we was like, we can afford that top end. And so we'll, what we'll do is we'll go 1,000 over. So cute. And then we're in, so right? Cute. Um, and that was the first one. So it was just like <laughs> sat back just waiting for our approval. And obviously it went for just, like way more and it was like it, that was our first and then it was it was a good experience because we couldn't have afforded to what it went anywhere but that was a, a really valuable lesson in just how quick and what we needed to offer and so some of the next ones we weren't messing around we were just just putting in everything we had um basically and that's and it's what it took in the end it's just we we, we weren't being we were definitely taking on taking on board literally everything you told us we weren't being stupid we weren't like offering 200 over or anything stupid a lot stupid like that but it was just we knew what the the percentages were of how mm. much it was going over the so indexing. if we could get anywhere near and some of them we were kind of taking a punt on um knowing that it was probably going to go over but even those ones it was they're calling us back and they're just like the first offers um like 50 over and stuff and because of the end of the market we was at we were against developers as well so one of the houses we looked at in uh, quite where it was but it was um it was a bit of a mess and I think I'd maybe sent it to you you two actually it was yes. about the it was the it was the one but there was asking some work it, it was I remember it was yeah. the one in building and pest and I was just like no we, well, can't, we can't do that we can't do, it do that like, the front was kind of falling off <laughs> it's just like <laughs> And they were saying, look, the, the owner's looking for no building and pest. And was like, well, no, we just want to make sure. And I said, look, we know it's not going to pass. I just want to make sure it's not a complete lemon. And they were like, okay, whatever. And, and in the end, we were just getting beat by, and obviously on that one, it was no building and pest and then no bank approval as well. So we were kind mm. of having to compete with that as well. And so there was, there was a fair few knockbacks. Yeah, I think a lot of people were going in, I think because – when when we were actually out there looking and putting in offers to start, it was straight out of lockdown. So everyone was pent up and ready to go. 
Mm. So even though we were trying to be really diligent and had our like pros and cons lists and comparing other properties and see what they went for and, you know, the whole spreadsheet, um, yeah, you just, you'd be like, okay, well, this is fair and it's actually over and the percentage is right and everything of how much over we go. And then someone would just be like, no finance, no building and pest mm. and put it off. And we're like, yeah. how can we possibly how do you compete? That? You just mm. can't. It's a really good point because um, some people just don't compete at all. They actually back out of the market and they just say it's too hard. I, I can't possibly wrap my head around what needs to be done in that short period of time. Um, and this is where I know that if you've done the course, you actually know what to do in that type period of time. So therefore you can um, cope with that. Mm. But it is very hard when the price has been pushed up by people who aren't doing their due diligence. You know, yeah. I know even in my business, you know, we have clients and I sometimes I'd say to clients, I feel like you're disadvantaged because of what we know about that property yeah. that nobody else knows about it. And I know I don't want you waking up tomorrow or in a month or in a year or whatever and discovering what we know. And those yeah. people will discover it one day and it will it may or may not bite them in the bum, but they don't know before they buy it and they're not they're not taking that into account and it is really hard and i know that we have to keep the faith and go and you will buy and you will buy and it, you will <laughs> buy you know so but you don't have us championing you in quite the same way you know we're there to sort of you send us your, your questions and whatever but you know we're not there literally just dragging you through this Holding mud right. um okay. how did you keep positive through all of that because that must have been quite challenging I know one one positive thing was was moving closer to the area we wanted to live in, um, because of yeah. because of the volume of um, houses we were needed to view, like sometimes twice a day, um, and if we'd have been where we lived originally, it was going to be like more than an hour there and then more than an hour back, and I think that'd have broken our spirits, in, yeah. in all honesty. But because we were, because we had actively moved closer to the area and just found a cheap area on the way, mm. um, and so it kind of just completely it halved our. A distance we didn't we didn't intentionally do that at the time but on reflection literally every sat saturday was just like so glad we moved out this way because this is so destroying <laughs> it would have been even worse if you, if you like put in an offer and it just gets completely blown out of the water and then you have to drive for an hour to get back again you're like no, no. so yeah um i don't know i think we just knew it would happen eventually i, so. I started to lose faith in all honesty i think it, it just it was it was just so competitive and we were kind of maxing out just all money. Like we never really intended to originally it was going to be like just the 20% and, and all that stuff. And we had, we had other savings. We like for like emergency fund and all that type of stuff. And in the end, we just, we just we threw everything at it completely everything. And that was just to kind of um, just avoid the LMI and things like that. And it's just what it took to, to get a house in the end. And we paid, we, we, we paid, we paid more than we should. Uh, well, no, no. We, sorry, we didn't that's pay more than we true. should. Sorry, that, that's 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 wrong. Um, we paid more than it was on the market for, but that's totally totally what we we needed to do. Actually, so, one one bit of advice that you gave me in the forum um, was when we were asking like, how do you possibly price in such a rising market? Mm. And using the percentages of what the growth has been for the few the few mm. previous months, and then adding that on was so helpful yeah. because we were just like, how can we possibly know we're comparing it to the properties from three months ago? Mm. Um, so yeah, that was very, very useful. Once we had that bit of knowledge, when we'd go and see another property, we could be like, okay, well, what's that added percentage? <clears throat> um, and then we knew if we paid that, sure, it's over what we would maybe think it's worth, but in a 
in a year's time, it's not going to matter. Yeah. Or even in a couple of months' time. um, And and, and I think it's important to point out to to people who are listening is that works in a decreasing market as well. So Mm. indexing up and keeping on top of the recent sales um, and, and how much people are paying over what data would suggest a property is worth. So that's indexing up. It also works in when the market is moving in the other direction and it and it, it will um, start to slow and we will see changes in, in those percentages and in the indexing. So it's important to have your finger on the pulse there, isn't it? Anything that's three months old is just, just almost too old. Uh, to even consider yeah, yeah. in the whole you know, rapidly rising. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So what about the type it's of property you're originally looking for? Oh, sorry, Veronica, did you? No, no, I was going to say I was really glad that you asked that question in the forum because it's such a, and um, and I've actually cut and pasted that answer to so many people or refer them to that post because it is really useful and, um, and I'm glad that you found it useful in practice and that's the great thing. I think what we're going to do is probably put together a whole tutorial on that, um, mm. teaching how to do that. So that's it's good um, validation. And what Megan is saying is so important too. It, like it's true, the markets go up, the markets go down, those indexing works both ways. We've um, Normally what we say in a stable market is anything within three months, you can sort of say it's roughly the same, you know. But then, you know, when it accelerates or decelerates, uh, yeah. And so how do you know? And obviously when you guys are out on the ground, you find out pretty quickly what the market's doing, don't you? Yeah, definitely. And because you'd kind of, because we're working in a certain area, you see the same agents and you can kind of, you, you, you see what they sell for and all mm. that kind of stuff. So it's, it's easy to kind of keep track in that moment of what things are selling for and the percentage over of the asking and all that kind of stuff. So. Mm. Just you start to get a bit of a feel for which agents underquoted and which ones, you know, if, little, if the, yeah, if the range was quite a lot lower than the, the end price. Yeah, it was still so crazy, though, that some of them were like, no, no, I'm normally pretty, you know, on, on it or whatever. And you could kind of tell that that was true. And then something would be like 150 over. And you're like, oh, I don't know. Where'd that come from? Yeah. <laughs> like, sure, why not? I'm going to go over there. <laughs> So we, we can see, for those that are watching, we can see a beautiful rustic home in the background there. So this is obviously what you've ended up with. Did the type of property that you were originally looking for change during the process? We talked about a change in area, but did the type of property change? I don't think so. I think we were always after an older property um, and it was always going to need some work with our budget. So that was kind of a given. Um, I think, I think- yeah, we always we always wanted um, just a decent plot, just for kind of veggies and basketball hoop and things like that. So that that didn't change. It was more, I think, it was expectations for me personally. It was expectations that just were gradually going as the as the time went along. It's just, I mean, obviously pre COVID, we were looking in the Dandenongs, and we were going to be able to get just dream home for for no money. And then everybody had the same idea of moving out that way. And obviously Mm. prices shot up. So expectations of the actual finish we were going to get and the size kind of just gradually started slowly going down. We we always had a baseline. Um, So we always needed three bedrooms and we always needed like a decent plot of land. And that was basically it. um, That's your criteria. Yeah. Did you start with a really long list? A, a lot of people that uh, that we work with in, in the buyers agency space start with massive lists with got to have this type of thing and a separate I toilet, it's got to have that, and then they end up with two or three key criteria. <laughs> After a while, I so I think we were pretty flexible, like because yeah. we like an older house and like you know we, we'd lived in a seventies house before and I'd love that. Whereas mm. most people were like, oh god, no. I do, I do like a new shiny a little bit more, but. Um, <laughs> 
I'm happy to go along with it. <laughs> Give me the rustic. <laughs> as long as I've got space for the basketball hoop, I'm, I'm fine. I think the most important thing out there is going to be heating, right, in winter. <laughs> there's, a, there's a wood-burning uh, stove, I guess. Yeah. There's a wood-burning oh, that, stove. That's it. Gorgeous. One little yeah. stove. No, no. And we've got lots of blankets. No, there's a, there's, a little, there's a little electric heater there, actually, so I'm sure that's going to keep us nice and warm. Part of, part of the thing of this house is we know we have to work on it and if we you know, event, you know, gradually you just chip away at it over time and put more insulation in and do all sorts of mm. stuff like that, then, you know, we, we don't aim to be flipping this house. It aims mm. to be a fairly long-term property. So I, uh, I moved I from Brisbane to... to attitude. <laughs> I moved from Brisbane <laughs> to Melbourne in April. Uh, it was actually 1999. And uh, I was in, you know, I was swimming in the pool when I left Brisbane, got to Melbourne. It had one heater in the dining room, nowhere else. And I lived in my you know, puffer jacket and beanie to go out of that bedroom, out of that dining room into the kitchen to do the cooking at night. <laughs> He's from the north and I love the cold, so yeah. we'll be right. <laughs> Did you say that you had any big aha moments along the way? I think of any. I don't think there was any big one. I think it was just lots of little like, oh, that's how that works. You know what I mean? I don't think there was you, anything specific. You, know, you prepared us too well, I'm afraid. So yeah. <laughs> no surprises there. No. Um, Actually, no, that's not true. There was one thing, um, one thing that surprised us when we, we had our pre-approval and we were told, you know, you've got your three months of pre-approval and then you can just get it rolled over to another three months. Mm. And within that time, you can probably get, you know, three months of um What's it called? Okay. Settlement, if you need to. So the dogs. Hey, I'm dogs. Too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> three months, if you need a longer settlement, you can probably get that too, but it depends if you're getting towards the end of the three months. And it may have just been a bank-specific thing or whether it was because uh, rates were rising and banks were a little bit less interested in, um, they wanted to maybe move you mm. on to the next rate. Um, but when it came to our settlement, we thought we had more time and the the vendor actually wanted a longer settlement and we said sure we can do that and it turned out that the bank said that the three months of our approval started from when they received our application not from when we were approved so that meant we had significantly less time and we basically had to settle in a month it so just, that yeah. was it reduced okay. the amount of time, the amount of settlement we could offer was was reducing by the day. Yeah. And we had no idea because everyone was looking for a longer settlement and we were just offering it. And so we, when it came down to the house, like every house, we were just saying three months, fine, three, because three months, that's fine. And it turns out when it came down to it, we could earn it. The, the maximum we could offer was it was a month. So Ooh, And the broker didn't know as well. So I'm not sure if it was a new thing, mm. but it was very strange. And we were like, oh, Okay, sure. That's, that's so the thing, isn't it? The bank work. policies are changing so so often at the yeah. moment, um, and have been really since the Royal Commission. So it is yeah. it is a really tough one. Something you need to be right on top of. I'm like, surprised the broker we, we wasn't never aware. Have known to ask yeah. about that. We just yeah. assumed that the three months was three months, and it wasn't minus six weeks. So yeah, yes. that's yeah, a very interesting one, and I haven't heard of that. So, and this is uh, just goes to show you, doesn't it, that like you know, Megan and I have been around for a couple of decades in this space, and we still hear <laughs> things the first time every now and then. I think that was probably the biggest shock, and we learned. Yeah, and we, I mean, we was obviously lucky in that regard on that point, and it was quite unfortunate timing. Mean, it was just managed to negotiate a little bit of um, money off mm. at the time due to the, there was a building in pest. 
inspection came back with a few things. And so I just managed to negotiate a little bit of money off. And literally I got off the phone negotiating down and then we found out about the bank thing. So I had to call him back and then say, oh, by the way, can, can we do a month? <laughs> and I just like, felt, felt so bad because like I say, we just kind of, we just got, we just kind of like negotiated Squeeze cash off. And like, oh, like, by the way, just <laughs> <about> <laughs> that was a little bit dicey, but we was, we was really looking, I think we'd actually said, um, we'll, we'll do some kind of rental something agreement. We'll sort something out. You can stay in the house. We're not going to, if we, if we can still go ahead, mm. but um, the, the vendor just ended up moving out. So we ended up just getting it really. So we found someone. We were quite lucky really. Yeah. Oh, wow. So it sounds like you bought via private treaty, not, not uh, by public auction. Did you go yeah. to any auctions Were any of the properties that you put? We didn't. Uh, no, in the areas in we were looking, they don't really do auctions. I think mm. it's outer suburbs enough that it's not really a thing. Um, <laughs> There was a couple we could have gone to, but because of how kind of the, some of the closer areas to the city, which we probably didn't have much of a chance in, um, and yeah, there'd have been options, and I don't think we'd have. I think we just didn't bother. I just think we th- we thought it was unrealistic, um, and it was. <laughs> <laughs> I did see results of a, of a few that were in like a, sli- a suburb slightly closer to the city, and they just went way over. I was like, well, yeah. let's let's just yeah. stick where we are. <laughs> And I guess if you're, <laughs> you're mainly work from home, then the proximity to the city, now that you have this um, more um, uh, different lifestyle than you had when you were living in the city. <laughs> <laughs> well, I still go to the city, um, but it's, I, I always knew it was going to be an hour on the train and I was mm. fine with that. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, good. That's fine. And so obviously, so you're not doing any work from home anymore? You're 100% back in the city? No, I was? am. Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, I, I, I basically worked all through going into the city, all through mm. most of the lockdowns. Oh, yeah. wow. Like, yeah, my Lucky part, you got to you escape. You kept your social, <laughs> social interaction with people. Yeah, yeah. So, no, he's been home the whole time, but yeah. not me. How did you know, though, that you'd found the one? It's all the vibe, I think, was <laughs> one of the big things it was. To quote the castle, it was the vibe. <laughs> um, A lot of people for, say it, just, and they don't know it until they feel it. Yeah, it was um, because on paper the 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 things that I, I, I we're both looking from a pro, from property. There was some things kind of missing in terms of it was only two bedroom, but it did have an external office, and that was that's absolutely fine kind mm-hmm. of thing. And there was just a few things in terms of the heating and things like that where we thought they were unavoidable on our list, but it turns out once we kind of saw the place, it was that it just so much character. It was mm-hmm. it was crazy, like the. The vendor had lived here for 40 years. Um, it was like their family home and it was, yeah, it was just crazy, the feeling of the, just the place. I walked in and I looked around. I was like, oh, he's going to hate it. It's got way too much curry. It's too cottagey. And then I turned around and said, it's really cool. I'm like, oh, <laughs> grab it. <laughs> it's the one. Wow. <laughs> yeah, because there was there was some compromise in terms of like the the kitchen is it's it's a it's a nineteen twenty nine minus cottage, so the proportions are. I think I said to you in the uh, when I sent you the link, it said I think it said cozy twice in the description. So you know, <laughs> I kind of, you can imagine the size of some of the things. It was like, like so, compared, compared to an apartment kitchen, it's like it's no smaller. The modest you know proportions I mean? like, of yes, um, so, <laughs> Yeah, the, uh, the kitchen's. The kitchen's quite small and for us, we, we do a lot of cooking and for us, that was always a thing. It was like, we need a big kitchen. We know we do because we lived in a townhouse that had one of the apartment mm. kitchens mm. and we just wanted to kill each other when we was in that kitchen. So it was like, we know we need a big kitchen. Let's, we can forget about that. Mm. And so uh, this, this is where we kind of had to do some, 
like space saving things in the kitchen and we do want to renovate it at some point and it's fine it's, it's a lot bigger than an apartment kitchen but mm. it's still a really small and the thing is we're on a very large block so mm. we can build on if we right. want to. it's very large yeah yeah so the garden is beautiful it's yeah it's so worth it it looks gorgeous <laughs> i was thinking sort of yes the proportions of yesteryear that you had to duck to get through doorways <laughs> no it's actually some of those english english um, property shows where they, they walk through doorways like this <laughs> yeah no just like the ceilings in the lounge are like the 13 foot high ceilings which is wow, strange, wow. But it's, yeah there's they're not quite so high in other rooms but yeah they're really high ceilings so yeah amazing yeah. and it well, sounds I've like you're there for the long the term yeah <laughs> I've started planting fruit trees. I'm here to say. Oh, <laughs> yeah, oh that say, is long-term commitment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's gorgeous. So the entire process, right, from basically from saving your deposit when you decided to save was four years. And I think if I add up sort of the time when you, so we, the, we started the beta group to the point where you sent me that email with, we did it. Um, <laughs> It was probably about 18 months in total, wasn't it? Yeah. So, and I think we probably, yeah, it was really, I think we got our pre-approval in July or something last yeah. year. So we, after the beta course, we did spend more time saving and then we started talking to a broker and then saved a little more. And, you know, so we did take our time with that, but mm. we just wanted to make sure everything was kind of lined up, ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. Fabulous. It's exciting. It's wonderful. You, you guys don't have kids, do you? No. No, they've got and a big so, greyhound. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it's easier to save in general. Dog baby, that's all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> much easier to save without kids. So we're so excited. I mean, whenever we get one of those emails with the, we did it emails, oh. I, I can't tell you how excited, you know, we get when we, <laughs> we get those. We oh, yeah. have Veronica usually sees the emails fest. first and I get a text going, did you see that Mike and Alice bought? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so it is always very heartwarming. So at the end of it all, now that you're there, you can no longer call yourself first-home buyers because you first-home bought. Own. Um, and, you know, you can be very smug with all those other people that are struggling out there. What's your one piece of advice for first-time buyers that are still climbing that mountain? I suppose it depends on the um, the time when they're looking and stuff, I guess. But, I mean, patience is... Patience, patience and plan is, ahead yeah. and take your time. It's okay if it takes a few years to get sorted. It's, you know, you're in there for the long run, so... Yeah, and it's just that, that we knew we couldn't set our heart on anything. We, we, we knew full well we could... We had to, even if it looked like we was in with a really, really good chance, we were just like, we're not going to get it. So we, we kind of went in with that with that attitude because <laughs> you can imagine you can imagine people being heartbroken by the process, yeah. especially at the time of the, we were looking. It's like you get knocked. We got knocked, knocked back a few times, mm. and it, it could it could have been really discouraging if we didn't realise what the situation was. And it's um, there was yeah there was a couple of places that we really wanted, and it was just we couldn't get to too high about it so i think you've, you've just got to keep a really even keel with mm -hmm. it because if you get too high you could easily get you could easily get too low i mean if you did get too high you'd get knocked back really quickly anyway so just trying to keep an even keel was was really important for us and just do your research that's There's great so advice. much research involved so yeah well how would you say that doing the the course your first time by guide helped you oh it was a thousand percent 
It was, yeah, I can't, I can't even imagine what it had been like without it, in all honesty, because we felt so prepared um, from, from doing it because we went from knowing nothing. And as you know, we can, you can speak to parents, you can, and you get all that kind of tainted, tainted advice um, and you could go in completely in the wrong, wrong direction with any of that stuff. But just with your two's expertise and the stuff, we felt so prepared. We didn't feel uncomfortable about the process at all and then from speaking once we spoke to you and then did the course spoke to the broker we were we felt like we were totally set we, we really weren't concerned about it other than just doing the process and it's a stressful time as it is mm. so I can't imagine how the, the level of stress if we weren't so prepared you know what I mean yeah. completely yeah. invaluable well <laughs> we love that you say that um and look, you're absolutely right. It is stressful. It's meant to be stressful, you know. It's like it's one of the biggest, most expensive <laughs> things you're life stresses yeah. doing your life. Yeah. yeah. Um, what I love that advice, you know, that one tip for is basically, you know, enter into the negotiations loosely. Like, you know, I think oh, that's not your words, but basically, it's you know, if you go in there with your fingers, you know gripping it tightly and everything in your life depends on whether you buy that property or not people do get knocked for six and Mm -hmm. and they can't recover and then in a rising market then that time out to recover is costing them even Mm -hmm. more doing more damage so um it's it yeah i think that's really really good advice and to have that sort of level head about you i mean it takes some discipline and maybe a sort of personality trait i don't know but you know at the end of the day i think it's it's a great a great tip it is. And, and we talk about not letting your heart rule your head. Your heart helps you make the decision about the property, but it doesn't actually drive the process of how to purchase it. And, and I think, you know, that's that's putting a great context around it is, is if you if you do become too emotionally invested in it and you do miss out, then you, you can almost end up three steps backwards and making some really poor decisions the next time you go forward because of that, that fear of loss again. So great, great advice. You can imagine that's why people do... St- do end up giving up because it is mm. too stressful you you kind of you're running at 100 in in, in certain situations and so mm. for them like to be the knock to be completely knocked back by that you can imagine mm. people just like it just pushing people over the edge Skittles. and we were close a couple of points if you just like try and <laughs> yeah you didn't it. mention how much whiskey you drink in the course <laughs> <laughs> probably add a little yeah, sidebar yeah. like, at this stage you will be stressed <laughs> <laughs> point. we probably could have a nip measure <laughs> you so will be three nips or <laughs> one <laughs> Well, that's so fantastic. We really appreciate you spending the time coming back and sharing your your journey up that mountain with us. And, and we've been thrilled to be part of it as well. So thank you so much and congratulations to you both. Congratulations. Thank you. And thank, thanks again for the call. So honestly, it was uh, invaluable to, to getting it done. In this episode, we've covered a very small part of our 10-step online course for first-time buyers. If you would like to learn more about the process and how to buy without making a mistake, then head over to our website, www.homebuyeracademy.com.au. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss an episode. And if you like what you've heard today, please give us an iTunes review. Five stars would be wonderful. It will help others find us as well. Thank you for joining us. We hope you found this really useful. And if you have, please share the love with others who you know are in the same boat. We'll be back next week with some more priceless stuff.